Good morning. This is Tom Clark, Papa Tom with the Father's Heart Media. And I have two very special guests today. Uh, both of these guests are going to be able to help us connect with the heart of God the Father. Because that's the principle behind Father's Heart Media is to connect to God the Father. And specifically today, we want to talk about the subject of weirdness or the feeling of weirdness when we come into very spiritual things, and we call them super spiritual things, that we encounter when we're trying to make a connection with God the Father or hear from heaven. Uh, the two that we have in front of us today, which are, are Dr. Ron Nieper, I'm oh, sorry, <laughs> Dr. Ron Harper, <laughs> Horner, Dr. Ron Horner and Donna Nieper, uh, have a lot of experience with uh, the courts of heaven, uh, dealing with angels and spiritual matters of a, what the normal Christian might think about as being like super spiritual areas, also the business complex. But we're not going to deal with those specific areas per se in this particular podcast, but we want to deal with the feelings of weirdness or helping us overcome the feelings of weirdness uh, when we try to approach those things. A lot of our audience have an interest in wanting to hear from God, and they have difficulty hearing from God uh, for different reasons, which we may get into in a, in a, in during this podcast. But the, the commitment we have to you today is you're going to feel a lot more comfortable with talking to God your Father after listening to this podcast and approaching the kingdom of heaven, which the scripture says is near at hand, than you did before you heard this podcast. So with that in mind, let me introduce the audience to Dr. Ron Horner. Ron, share a little bit about yourself. I'm Dr. Ron Horner. I'm in North Carolina, live in North Carolina now. I've written about 20, a little over 20 books, most of them on the courts of heaven subject. I'm a teacher by nature, and I was noticing that although there was a lot of information about the courts of heaven, people did not know how to operate in the courts of heaven and therefore they wouldn't operate in the courts of heaven, would have the benefit of that. So in the books, I try to make it palatable, make it understandable. And we have products called process charts, which are basically like flow charts that someone could follow and be able to walk their, their way through a court scenario. And so we want to make it practical, usable, and livable for folks. And that's a whole lot of what we've been doing and, and things that we put out are related uh, to making it workable for you, just like that. And I have with me Donna Nieper, she's my executive assistant, and she, uh, I'll just let her introduce herself. All right, Donna, tell us, tell us, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your background. Hello, everyone. I'm Donna, and I am currently serving uh, Dr. Horner's ministry as his executive assistant. We are partners in ministry together. And we have been working for a couple of years, uh, helping people understand what they can achieve from operating in the courts of heaven and how to get a flow of revelation going in their life. We understand that most people want to hear from Father and from Jesus and from Holy Spirit. And so we help people with getting the things that are in the way removed so that that is made more easy. I um, help Dr. Ryan as a seer. I have a gift of spiritual seeing, seeing in the spirit. And so that we kind of work in tandem with that gifting that I've been blessed with. Really good. Now, I think we could also could share with our audience, uh, if they wanted to find out more about you, you have a website, correct? 
Right. I'll just share with them about that. The the primary website would be courtsofheaven.net. We have a secondary website, Mm courtsofheavenwebinars.com, which has a lot of our video resources available for folks. Now, you also, on those websites, have conferences that you offer from time to time, correct? Right. Okay. Yes, sir, we do. Uh, we, we've got one coming up in February in Florida. So, but the details, we, we haven't released those yet. That'll be released probably in the next few days mm-hmm. with the details about that. And uh, so we keep, the website has that details as, as new conferences come about. Mm-hmm. So uh, they'll be posted on the website. Either one of those websites, you'll find it. Good. Do you know which town in our city in Florida yet? Fort Myers. Fort Myers, Florida. Okay. So that's good. So our audience could look that up and, and find out, uh, particularly if you piqued their interest today on this podcast. So getting right, back. It's a good time to go to Florida. That is true. <laughs> I, I don't mind going to, I don't want to go to Florida in August, but uh, certainly in February is a great time. And I actually have uh, a daughter who lives in uh, outside of Orlando. In a place called Windermere, and I've got th- four grandchildren down in Florida, so I try to make my uh, visits in January, February, and March. In fact, I'm going down there in cr- the end of this, this month to see them at the end of Christmas. So, with that uh, in mind, uh, let's uh, just dig into this subject of the weirdness. Uh, how, uh, Donna, how would you describe um, weirdness to our audience about feeling uncomfortable about uh, heavenly things? Well, first of all, I would love to give your audience permission to say and to acknowledge that occasionally operating in spiritual things mm-hmm. seems weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got to call it what it is. And mm-hmm. um, the soul, your soul realm, which has been trained by your culture and mm-hmm. by your upbringing, it's been trained by um, even perhaps the religious flavor that your family uh, had or didn't have mm-hmm. growing up. And so, as an adult to begin to launch into spiritual things and to investigate and explore um, beyond what we read in the Bible, beyond what was written in the, in the scripture can seem to our soul to be fantastical. It can seem mystical. It can seem um, in in a lot of ways, it can, it's just hard to wrap the mind around. And so that makes your soul very uncomfortable. Your soul is very used to calling the shots and saying it ought to be like this. And this is how it needs to be. And when we talk about dealing with heaven and spiritual things, the supernatural realm is quite different Mm -hmm. from the realm that your soul is used to. So that is probably one of the my biggest tips for people is just to give yourself permission to say, you know what, it is. It's just different. <laughs> you know, people may also, uh, particularly uh, if they are word-based or have a Bible training, uh, may feel very uncomfortable if they're thinking in their mind that anything that's being presented to them is beyond the Scripture. So what are your thoughts about... Um, that aspect do you want to feel comfortable with everything you bring to people you can find in the scripture i I would say this Uh, sometimes the things we hear on the surface i don't know if i can find a verse for that right off but when i look at it is it in keeping with the father's heart Mm -hmm. does it have his nature about it Mm -hmm. you know i'm not smart enough to know all the verses in the bible yet 
And mm -hmm. so we can hear things and we'll have to have it unpacked for us a little bit later. Mm -hmm. And that's how heaven often does it for us. And we'll find that it's in keeping. There may not be a specific scripture, but it's in keeping with the, the heart of scripture. Mm -hmm. And I can work with that because we have to look at the, uh, the, the early church. They didn't have the benefit of the Bibles that we have now. They didn't have a Passion Translation and New King James or all those other translations you've got. They had to work with a whole different, from a whole different come from. And Paul talked about that with Colossian Church when he said, uh, he told them, if you're risen with Christ, seek the things that are above and not the things that are on the earth. For your life is hidden with Christ in God. Mm -hmm. You know, we've heard that phrase that he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. Mm -hmm. And what that has done is made us wary of those who seem to be more, quote, heavenly minded than, than other people around them. Mm -hmm. But I, I heard Holy Spirit say one time that that saying, uh, where he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good, was born out of a mocking spirit. Mm -hmm. And I had a friend, she, she said, I would rather be so heavenly minded that I am earthly incredible. Yeah. And that's a whole different take on what, what religion wants us to, to go with. Religious, religion will always want to sing in a nice, neat package with a bow on top. And heaven just doesn't give us everything with a nice, pretty package and bow on top all the time. Yeah. Well, often a religion, it can be an obstacle for us connecting with God the Father. It, it, it defines things in terms that are not true. Because Jesus did say, the traditions of men make the word of God to no effect. And so in that context, uh, religion has often interpreted scripture for us in a very confining and inaccurate way. I often say when I listen to people talk, I said, can I hear the sound of my father's voice in what they're saying? Can I feel the love coming out of them? Or is there something critical or judgmental coming out of them or something that's not really uh, of God? Even though the words may be the right words, they're, they're twisted in such a way or uh, used in such a way uh, not to be consistent with um, the heart of God. And I, we have no further look at that than the temptation of, of Jesus in the desert when the devil tempted him three times using scripture, but it was out of context. So uh, I uh, remember a, a, the reason, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to the two of you about this area was because I even had an interaction with one of my sons who attended uh, and he felt weird and he, and he has not gone to uh, traditional church teachings and they've, they've gone to charismatic type church environments, but he still felt a little weird listening to some of the things that were being presented about heaven, even though I found them to be uh, consistent with the heart of God and certainly consistent with scripture as I understood it to be. So Donna, what do you think about that? <laughs> well, uh, everybody has their own come from and their own history. And so what you're looking for if you're, is to consider if you are looking for a heartbeat. If, you're, if you are listening for the heartbeat of your father, then you're on the right track. Mm -hmm. A lot of people tell us that um, when they first start trying to hear the voice of God, they hear the voice of some of their, of the, um, some authority figure in their history. 
in their experience. And that's the voice that's speaking to them when they start to look for the father's voice. Mm -hmm. And that is understandable. Mm -hmm. It is understandable because um, we do have to grow up um, and then we begin to mature. And so spiritual growth is a maturing process. And so I tell people, give yourself a break. Just, just give yourself a break. Give yourself some forgiveness and some grace and say, you know what? I may not get this 100% right the first time I try to seek heaven or I, hear, I try to hear my father's voice. But eventually I'm going to press through and I'm going to hear him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it's one of the most beautiful things to hear the person that created you and wrote your book from, from heaven's perspective to hear him talk to your heart. It, it will change your life if you have previously walked in somewhat of a religious tradition. And we, we a lot of us have, let's be honest, a lot of us have, because that's where the church has been. The bride herself has been that way for um, centuries. True. So we're coming into some new stuff. You know, uh, in talking with people over time, uh, I've heard a lot of people say that um, they uh, they strive to hear from God um, in their minds, but they, they don't hear from God. It frustrates them because they're trying so hard. It's almost as if out of their trying so hard, they're almost blocking it. Well, they are. They are. Uh, you know, we have to realize, one, that weird doesn't necessarily mean wrong. Right. It just isn't packaged the way we're used to having it packaged. Mm-hmm. It can be the same product that you've been consuming otherwise, but it's just packaged a little differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when people are expecting, they have an expectation that it's gonna, it needs to come the way I'm used to hearing it. Uh, heaven's not going to do it that way because it wouldn't require us to have faith mm-hmm. and trust in our Father. And he'll, he'll always change up on us if we get too used to a certain mode of operation. Mm-hmm. And that's why he'll stick us in uncomfortable places to stretch us a little bit because we need to be stretched. We've been used to being in such a box that that box has no pliable walls whatsoever. And heaven wants to get us out of those boxes and have us look at things from a different perspective, hear things from a little different perspective. And because we can all three look at the same verse of scripture and all have a different take on it mm-hmm. and a different application for it. Mm-hmm. So we just need to learn how to work with that and work with the difference, honor the differences because they can bless your life. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of things that Jesus said in parables, they had no clue what was going on. Mm-hmm. But it didn't mean they were wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I guess if we pulled it, which, what, did you feel weird when you heard that? We would probably hear a lot of yeses. I felt weird. Mm-hmm. You know, think about the 5,000 getting uh, fed by well, what, a few loaves and fish. They would have felt weird being in that environment if they had to explain right. it to everybody. What about eat my body and drink my blood? That that might not go over too bad. Exactly. Um, no, but <laughs> <laughs> in fact, some of the weirdness of the supernatural is exactly what is um, drawing us. Our spirit man is not accustomed to the 3D realm. It's accustomed to the spiritual realm, but we are the last to know it or we're the last to find out. And so the weirdness comes 
primarily because our soul is trying to catch up and wrap its understanding around what our spirit is like, oh yeah, let's do that. Or, oh, 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 I'm hungry to know this, or I want to understand this. And I find also that um, a lot of us have never been taught the dynamics of the spiritual realm. It's a different realm. It operates in a different dimension and it operates with different laws, different, different, um, you know, like we have the law of gravity in the natural realm. Well, in the spirit realm, you don't have that. You neither do you have the principle or the concept of time in that realm. So the spirit realm is very different from the natural realm and the 3D realm where our soul is very accustomed to. So, of course, it's going to feel a little uncomfortable and weird when we begin to think that we simply are on a learning curve mm -hmm. to learn this. What? how does the spiritual realm work? What, what are the dynamics in that realm? And uh, can I explore a little bit? Can I experiment? And what does that look like? And when you start looking for this you be, and you're reading scripture at the same time, you're going to be shocked because some of this is in scripture. Mm -hmm. it's written right there you just never noticed it before mm -hmm. because your soul was in front i would even go so far as to say most of it's in scripture it's just it's the it's the uh how should i say this the uh change in the perspective that scripture gives us if we only have the open our eyes the ears of our spirit to see it in one of your conferences you brought up the idea that we need to walk spirit first most people don't work spirit first. <clears throat> Most people work soul first. Soul building mind, will, and emotions. Uh, particularly in our culture, I would say emotions are what we lead with more than soul what we lead to. But inside of our soul, it's even our emotions is the most prominent part of our soul that's affected by life, our culture, media, all, all the communication uh, mechanisms seem to be focused on stimulating our feelings and our emotions. Rather, they don't even deal with the mind. Through the emotions, they get to our mind, but they totally leave the spirit out of it altogether. And uh, I, in talking to a lot of people, I find that uh, if I were to uncover one thing that's, uh, that seems to present itself as the major obstacle in some way, shape, or form, it's a form of fear. It's some form of fear, the, the fear, and, and that's because they really don't know God's heart to begin with. They're afraid of him. I mean, it's hard to talk to somebody if you're afraid of If you think God is a, a judgmental being, you know, uh, uh, and you read scriptures and the, and, the, and the prism through which you view the Old Testament is God's going to punish you. That's, the, you know, who's going to want to engage in that conversation with that guy, you know? But if we start to see that, yes, Lord God uh, is, a, is a, an expression in Scripture that deals with his governmental authority, but the word for God that is Yahweh, I am, is a word that introduces us to the Father. And he treats us as Father, right? When we pass from this earth, if we know him well enough, we become before the mercy seat of Christ, not the uh what is it the other throne the big great uh the great white great throne, throne judgment. great yeah. white throne judgment that's lord god operating with the world but not with his children and we, we it's hard for the devil doesn't want us to understand that difference evil spirits spend a lot of time confusing us 
over those scriptures. So what are your thoughts about that, Donna? Oh, me? Yeah. Sorry. Um, I was just thinking how um, I have a tip for your audience if they're interested in pursuing um, the discovery of the spiritual realm. And Dr. Ron has talked about this in many of our conferences. Um, and it's the point of consider that you may have a version, a translation of the Bible that you have been reading for quite a while. Or you may have not read the scripture or the Bible. You may not opened it for quite a while. Mm -hmm. So here's the tip. It's really amazing what happens if you will get a very modern version of translated uh, scriptures. We would recommend the Passion Translation. We would recommend the Voice Translation or the Message Translation. And those translations, including uh, another one is the Mirror, we would, we would say that those reading those translations that are translated in modern vernacular will really help you realize how um, straight-laced and um, under the fear of God you have been in some of the older versions like the King James Version. You would be surprised, Dr. Tom, to find out that a lot of people are shocked at this suggestion. They, it's as if we just said, cut off your left hand, you know, <laughs> uh, because they have never really considered that we have permission to investigate many different translations of the scriptures. And the modern translations are going to bring home to you some of the things that are the thought behind the Hebrew and um, that language that God taught the Israelites. There's a, a, so much depth there that English doesn't carry it over very well. And so we need more words to say what they would say with short words, you know, with a, with a more pointed view. So we encourage that. And you'll be surprised that if you'll start in the New Testament and you'll read some very, maybe even Bible stories that are known to you, but read them in a completely different version, mm -hmm. you'll be surprised how things in your spirit man will begin to stir. I, uh, I have realized I've started to read at different times the Passion Version. And one particular a scripture that just shoots out at me and just speaks to my spirit is Psalm 139 in the Passion Version. And it really is really helpful to understanding God's thoughts about us, you know, uh, from before, you know, he created us and shaped us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. But all his thoughts about us and the way he, he expresses it in the Passion Version is a um, more, um, how should I say, uh, revealing that you'd find in the King James. The other thing that I found out, and I have a good uh, friend who's a great Bible teacher, is I am constantly amazed when I start with the, I, my Bible of choice tends to be the New King James Version. But when I start with the New King James Version and then go backwards to what the original Hebrew was, in the original Hebrew, the original Hebrew always revealed depths of understanding that I was completely oblivious to in English. So either the newer versions, which bring out a lot of the, the feelings and the emotions of the New King James, that's not in the New King James, or the original Hebrew, which even goes back further. For example, I think the Aaronic Blessing, 
If you listen to the Aaronic blessing in the New King James, it's very pleasant. But if you go back to the old Hebraic version of it, um, it's it's even ten times even more uh, personal, and you feel the heart of God more in the original Hebrew. Um, so, the uh, let me see what else that you. Uh, Besides fear interfering with, is there any other tips you could give our audience? Maybe Ron has a tip that he could share. Well, when we recognize weirdness doesn't mean it's wrong. Yes. I have to understand that because something can be weird and be wrong. But that doesn't, weird is not a designator that it's wrong. It's different, packaged different. It could be the same truth that you've heard a hundred times. It's like when you've been reading your Bible. And all of a sudden, one week you see a verse you didn't see it last week when you read the same passage, and like it jumps out of the page, out of the page in your face, and it has something that rings a bell to you that day that you weren't ready for the week before. Right. So part of that is understanding one God does want to talk to you, and He's always talking. But if you remember the old radios, you know the younger people don't know about these radios with the dial that you had to tune in and get it just right before you could hear everything. Mm -hmm. um, we have that picture because we're a little bit older than your, our kids are. Mm -hmm. And with that, when we understand that we just simply need to fine tune the frequency that we've been on and get it to the frequency of heaven and hear what the Father is saying. There's some very simple principles when it comes to hearing the voice of God that Dr. Martin Berkler brought out. Uh, in uh, his book on how to hear God's voice. And the first one was to uh, quiet yourself down. The second one is to look unto Jesus. Third was tune to the flow of the Holy Spirit that's within you. The Bible tells us that there's a river inside of us. And then the fourth thing is to write down what you're hearing. Don't analyze it as you're writing it. You can analyze it later. Just write what you're hearing so that you get into the flow of what Holy Spirit or what is heaven saying to you at that day. And that those simple principles we teach people as far as learning how to hear the voice of God. And when they uh, when they do that, when they practice that, and we'll do it with a with some live sessions with people, and we'll have them ask a question: Father, what do you? How do you feel about me today? And they begin to hear that the Father is crazy about them that he loves him dearly and that he has all kinds of wonderful plans for him. Mm -hmm. That lights a fire in them that, hey, I've heard of God and I was hearing him before. I just didn't know that was what I was hearing. That's good, yeah. And that once you learn those simple principles that God is speaking and he wants to speak, it makes it easier for the other things to unpack for you. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I want to share with the audience something I just heard the other day. One of the people that I listen to regularly is... Uh, a prophet down in Warrior, Alabama, by the name of Robin D. Bullock. And he's got a very good prophetic uh, anointing and a prophetic teaching anointing. And he was talking about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were thrown uh, into the fire. And, um, you know, remember the stories in Daniel 3. And, uh, but one of the points you bring out when you get into the detail of the scripture, which I never saw before, and I've read it, I don't know, a hundred times, was um, they, they say uh, to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, that uh, their God is going to save them. And they're not going to be careful with their speech. 
which I misunderstood what he meant. What do you mean we're not going to be careful? In other words, they were saying that we're not going to hold back because our God is going to save us, right? And so then the next statement they make in terms of the English translation is, but if not, right? And I always felt, and I was taught actually, that if not meant if God was not going to save them. But it doesn't mean that. What it means is that even if you don't throw us into the furnace, <laughs> even if you don't throw, if not meaning, if you don't throw us into the fire, we're still not going to bow down and worship. So there's there's always that angle of twisting it from, you know, did uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego think that God might not save them? When they said, if not, that's what the religion teaches us. But they weren't saying that. They were absolutely convinced that God was going to save them. But if the Nebuchadnezzar repented and didn't throw him into the fire, that was what if not referred to. So there's an example of something that I just personally learned within the last 48 hours that I didn't know beforehand. And it's right there in the scripture. But it's it's coming out. And I got a little, uh, how should I say this? Um good feeling <laughs> inside my spirit man said yeah that's the truth you know there's, there's an acknowledgement inside that what I, I had heard from all my life was wrong in daniel 3 and now i understood it in the truth of the way it really was presented the way it really is so it's the truth is often has to be discovered and it has to be interpreted correctly I, the uh, the background that most of us have was that God was mad at us, looking for the next opportunity to whack us. Mm -hmm. Well, all that came from a uh, uh, Augustine, who's the one who promoted that, and that became a, a tenet of the church throughout history. But Augustine was basing his belief on a wrong translation of a verse that he used, and. When we have the wrong foundation, we can never have the right result. Right. And so when we understand that God's not as mad at us as we've always been told, he's not trying to destroy us and judge us and all that kind of stuff. And, and I think in Matthew, he said, I've turned all judgment over to Jesus. So Father, the Father's not even the judge in business anymore. Mm -hmm. He turned that over to someone else. What was the scripture? What was the scripture that Augustine was using? Do you remember? Uh, I, I'll have to look it up, okay? okay. I, I can't recall what it is right offhand. But, you know, a lot of our belief systems were based on the fact that God's ready to judge us. Yes. And God's ready to destroy us. Mm -hmm. And we hear a lot of quote, prophets nowadays still working out of that vein, out of that paradigm. But if we understand, if that was never the Father's plan to judge us like that and destroy us, he's trying to build sons. That's what the whole Garden of Eden was about. Right. And once we can get that uh, get get that fed out of us or filtered out of us, it'll make a world of difference in our walk with God. Uh, Howard Everly had a book called Precious in His Sight that we required our students to read in our training program that we just are just wrapping up this week. And in that book, it explained the origins of that belief system and how to work yourself, how to get on untangled from that belief so that we can move forward. The mirror translation that Donna mentioned is excellent when it comes to helping you understand that God is not mad at you. 
He's trying to build sons. He's not trying to destroy them. Right. And those sons are genderless. Uh, right. Daughters can be sons, just like sons can be part of the bride. Mm -hmm. So um, we use the term sons, that, that father is looking to mature his sons, because scripture says the, the creation itself is groaning for the revelation of the sons of God, and that is the maturing uh, sons and daughters becoming mature sons. Amen. In Romans 8, that's uh, one of my other favorite scriptures for this time. Uh, I, uh, you know, it's interesting when you go back to original sources like in Genesis, uh, and God called man and woman Adam. He called them Adam. He didn't call them Eve. It was Adam that called Eve Eve, if you will. Well, Adam was the one that separated them by describing or, or referring to his wife as Eve after the fall, after he was no longer in his spirit man, after he was disconnected with the heart of God the Father through sin, then he called Eve Eve. That was the first time she was called Eve. Prior to that, uh, Adam and Eve together were called Adam, or man and woman together was called Adam. And that was the name that God gave the two of them together. And they weren't separate at that point. So it's interesting when you get into the detail of it, how there's so much truth that we understand that we didn't understand before these things, before we could actually, God could open our eyes to this. But that idea, Ron, that you brought out with uh, judge, uh, feeling of being judged or punished, I think is fundamental to a, uh, a fundamental obstacle that uh, the evil spirits present to us that interfere with us hearing the voice of God. We have to believe in our heart of hearts that God the Father loves us, uh, really loves us, more than we ever could have imagined he loved us. The more we understand the heart of God, the easier it is to talk to him. Yes, and I wanna circle back to your point about fear and also connect that to um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm -hmm. You mentioned how they were convinced that they were convinced of the character of God. A lot of us have fear of the Father because we don't know his character. We think we know, mm -hmm. and we have been taught wrong in some circles that about the character of God. But Jesus said, I come to, that you can know the Father. I come that you can see the Father. If you if you see me and the works that I do, you've seen the Father. Mm -hmm. What he was saying was, I'm not doing anything here but causing goodness, kindness, wholeness, healing. I'm feeding people. I'm helping them. And the, those, were, those were the common uh, Torah following Jews at that time, right. and they were, and they began to recognize uh, who he was. And then you have some that were not willing to see with those eyes who Jesus was saying that he was. And to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he said many times, uh, "The Scriptures have already talked about me, and you should know this." He kind of called them on the carpet. Yep. And so I find that people who are having difficulty hearing the voice of the Lord or hearing uh, Jesus, that they are still wrestling with a fear-based mentality of who he is. True. And when you sit down and have a talk with yourself and say, you know, I don't have to believe that God is ready to whack me, mm -hmm. hit me, 
judge me, put me in prison, etc. Because this one thing, Jesus died and he rose. So on that, on that statement alone, I am now going to make a different choice not to be afraid of Father, but I'm going to pursue who he really is. Yeah, I've having seen. that kind of conversation with yourself, sorry, Tom, really just um, kind of kind of uh, sets yourself free to begin getting different thinking. Sure. Um, I often saw in the scripture that Jesus didn't come to reveal God as Lord God. He came to reveal God as Yahweh, which was, I come to reveal the Father. And then it was interesting in the scripture where Philip asks Jesus about when you're going to reveal the Father to us. And Jesus says, Philip, how long have I been with you that, you know, uh, I, I have been revealing. I and the Father are one. But it comes, it actually speaks, I think, a little bit to the Philip's mindset as a Jew, where he was looking at God the way he'd been taught as Lord God. And he was expecting God to be different than what Jesus was revealing him to be. But Jesus was correcting him and saying, I am showing you the way he is. Didn't you find it a little odd that Philip asked that question? Uh, it, it's it's a worthy topic to pursue with oneself. What do I really believe about God? Not what was I taught? What did I learn in church? Or maybe what did I learn from my neighbor? Or you know what what do I really think about God? Do I do uh, most people will tell you that they believe God is that He exists as a being. And to follow and pursue and give yourself permission to ask some hard questions without having to have the answer. That, I find, is the first, one of the first things that I realized when learning to see in the spirit was that I could ask hard questions and heaven was not offended by that. The yes. spiritual realm was, um, they may or may not choose to answer, but they certainly didn't mind my asking. Um, and there are many mysteries in the Bible. And what we do, I think, as a culture sometimes in, in our Western culture is we think we have to have all the I's dotted and the T's crossed and we should know all this stuff intellectually instead of from a heart perspective first. But what if we flipped that and, and, and thought, I just want to know the heart of God first. I don't want to know him intellectually because a lot of us, that's how we were introduced to the faith we were introduced in intellectually mm -hmm. and so to give yourself a, a, a second grace mm -hmm. and say i want to just explore the heart of the father and and find out what is his heart toward me father what is your heart toward me would you show me your heart and i'm telling you if you ask that question the lord will answer that's really really good father show me your heart it's it's comes out of a Hebrew way of thinking rather than a Greek way of thinking, where Greek is thinking theoretically, whereas the Hebrew is thinking experientially. I want to experience your heart for me, Father. And Tom, we have to understand too that our soul was never designed to be the the starting point for revelation. Right, true. It was not to be the landing zone. Our spirit is designed to receive revelation. It'll transport to our soul what what it needs to understand about that revelation, 
which will then be translated to our body as necessary. But what we're doing is we're listening to revelation or listening to heaven or experiencing heaven and trying to filter that through our soul. It has to be filtered through our spirit first. And the spirit will divvy it out as our soul can handle it. Because we can experience some things and our head just goes tilt. What, we don't know what that was, but okay, we'll, we'll figure right. it out later. And when we realize that that's part of what we've got going on is that our soul is trying to do our spirit's job and it was never equipped for it, never built to do that. Never designed that way. Right. Yeah. We've got to let our spirit do its job and the soul do its job and they'll be a lot happier once once that switch takes place, once mm -hmm. the spirit becomes the dominant force in your life as opposed to our soul. Mm -hmm. You know that uh, you probably have uh, listened to it. Chosen. Chosen is that film, uh, season one, season two of The Chosen. And in the eighth uh, episode on season one, there is a description, which I've watched six or eight times, uh, where Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. And a lot of the dialogue starts off very natural. And then it very quickly crosses over right and he gets to the point where um the 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 certain point that it reaches a like a denouement in there is uh he tells the samaritan woman because uh she's saying that we're going to worship you know you jews worship god in jerusalem and we samaritans worship on this mountain and then jesus responds to the town that the time now is you're no longer going to worship god on in Jerusalem or on the mountain, you're going to have to, you're going to worship him in spirit and in truth, and that sort of breaks through to this woman's spirit, where she understands. Wait a second, this is this is completely different from my way of thinking before. And he no only, doubt she felt weird. She probably did. Well, I think she felt weird all her life naturally from her lifestyle. Might have felt weird before, so she might have been. She certainly was different. Let me put it that way. And and uh, but she, the one thing that did she did feel uh, all her life, she felt shame. She felt shame and guilt from her lifestyle of having the five husbands, and this comes up in the way they acted it out. She always felt, you know, um, ostracized from the community and uh, feeling the guilt and shame, which is what evil tries to do to us about being weird. When, when people feel weird about these things, they try to, try to feel sh like we're sh put shame on us or, or weirdness for weirdness, shame and guilt for weirdness, not being able to accept the difference of it or making something different into something weird and therefore you should be ashamed that you're going there. I fairly feel my, my son reacted that way. He felt something weird and different was should I be ashamed about doing this because uh, ashamed is not the right word he felt embarrassed I think embarrassed would be a better word and this woman at the well she felt embarrassed be her lifestyle but Jesus took away all her I didn't come here to to make you feel ashamed I didn't come here to the, and I know everything about you I know he starts you know reading her mail and just telling her everything about her and then she realizes that this is the Messiah that they've been they've been talking about and that revelation to her, and she was the first one that Jesus revealed himself to publicly, aside from his disciples. 
first one publicly revealed himself to. And it took away her shame, and she realized this is a whole new ballgame. We've got to, uh, I'm now going to understand, I can worship God in spirit and in truth, which is exactly the communication he wants to have with us. That's exactly the connection that the Father's heart is all about, is encouraging people to have that connection in spirit and in truth. In Matthew 7, Jesus was reminding us that if we ask, we'll receive. We seek, we'll find. If we knock, the door's going to be open. Then he goes on to say, if we as fathers know how to give good things to our kids, how much more will our Heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? Mm -hmm. So if we can understand that, one, the Holy Spirit is the teacher. And if uh, and he can help us to know if something is right or wrong. He can help filter that out for us. We don't have to do all the heavy lifting trying to decide everything. Holy Spirit's really good at showing us that doesn't fit. That's not my heart. And then we can leave that alone and move ahead with the things that are true. So I can have confidence that because I'm asking, I will receive what I'm asking for. Because I'm seeking, I'll have what I'm seeking. If I'm knocking on the door, I'm going to have what the Father wants. Because I can trust my father for these things. Right. Sometimes the weirdness is we're not so sure that we can trust God. There you go. That's right. It goes back to, I'm not so sure about that. That scripture you were asking about, Romans 5.12, that doctrine called the doctrine of original sin. That's right. That, that's Augustine's doctrine. Augustine thing, right. right. And it was based on a wrong translation of part of it. And so that made all the difference when you understand Genesis lays it out for us. It tells us that we're made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. we're, he's designed us to be mere reflections of who he is. Mm -hmm. And we're learning to become who he is. No wonder why Satan's so jealous of us. Mm -hmm. Right. Because we have something he missed out on. That's right. That's right. And and so anytime that there is something that leans you toward the experiences with heaven, your soul and the enemy does not want you to experience that. So he's going to package it as weird. Oh, that didn't feel good. Well, we've got a lot of things that didn't feel good, but they were still good for us. That's true. You know, That's and so we can't, uh, you know, I ask people all the time, have your emotions lied to you lately? <laughs> probably not maybe in the last hour they've done that <laughs> your emotions are going to lie to you on a regular basis uh -huh. so you cannot trust them to always be consistent well it's, it's the doorway yeah the doorway through which the enemy does lie to us is either All through our emotions or our mind he can't lie to the spirit because the spirit our spirit knows the truth but he certainly can lie to our emotions and lie to our minds right and i think it's NIV quotes one verse it says when he speaks, he speaks lies, which is his native language. Right. And I, so if we understand, that's all he's going to say. He can't tell the truth. It's beyond him to do that. I had a friend of mine once say, the enemy is such, the devil is such a liar that if he told the truth, it would be a lie. <laughs> <laughs> because the intent behind it was deception. Right. And, and the, the, the way that that should be worded is it says, if he told you a fact or something that was a true fact, the spirit would be behind the fact that he's telling you would still be to deceive you. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. So uh, I think this is good. Uh, just to bring this to a close for our audience, I'd like the audience to uh, um, 
see that we're uh, giving them something that we promised them before in the podcast, that there are different ways that they can overcome with having uh, getting fear out of the way and trusting God that they'll be able to hear from God the Father. That it's most important that we know that he's not a judgmental of us, that he's a loving father and that he can be trusted and that we can open our hearts to him and just hear his heart and ask him the question that we want to hear his heart and for him to show us his heart towards us as the beginning of the basis of us um, connecting with him and speaking to him. So from the Father's Heart Media, uh, we come visit us at www.thefathersheartmedia.com and we're coming on, uh, Papa Tom is coming out with our second book called uh, Children's Book, which is Luke, the Light Bearer Defeats the Spirit of Confusion. It's about transgender, although the word transgender is not used. And it's about a child understanding why he was confused over whether he was a boy or a girl. And so we thank you very much for sharing your time with us. And uh, take care and be blessed.